This is the Brisbane Football Review with your host, James Coglin. The best ideas come about 20 seconds too late in my experience. Scott Owen. There's a mute button, people, don't worry. And Adam Pace. Look, I'm gonna feel I'm gonna feel like that, you know, I I am gonna shot Barbie's mother. Starting now. Well that certainly was one of the most eventful weekends in the A-League in recent memory. So that means we've got plenty to cover on this week's edition of the Brisbane Football Review. Hello, everyone. It is a Tuesday afternoon, and uh, we've got a bit of a makeshift show coming your way this week. It is James recovering from a very busy Super Bowl, Scott, who is recovering from, let's call it, food poisoning, and we've had to make a late call-up off the bench with Adam once again gallivanting off on the cruise lines. We've got Chris from the Fun Football Fairly campaign. Chris, Welcome to the show. Good luck. Thanks for having me. Uh, this will be an interesting experience, I'm sure. Yeah, I think we're scared off most of the previous guests, right, Scott? We have, and let's call it food poisoning. That's a good choice. How are you, James? <laughs> uh, I'm, I'm doing all right. I'm running very much on caffeine and sugar today after a very busy last fortnight. But the good news is I think that's the first Super Bowl I've actually tipped correctly in a couple of years. So we'll call that a moral victory, and that is hopefully going to be the last Super Bowl reference, because I want to get right into the A-League men's recap. And, Scott, all I can really say about that game is that's more like it. 5-1 win for the Raw, and it wasn't even that close, was it? It wasn't that close. It's really hard to... Sorry, it's really hard to pick a um a floor out of that performance. It was absolutely sensational from the, from the Brisbane Raw right from the first minute. And it could have been even more. I mean... It was 8-1 down in Melbourne. To turn around and win 5-1 six weeks later, that is absolutely astonishing. And the way that they played the game was was just perfect from minute one. I just, there's no real words to describe how well they played in this game. That defensively, they were so solid. In midfield, they completely controlled a Melbourne City side, which have got some unbelievable talent. Yes, they've got some players unavailable with injury and suspension and players returning from the Asian Cup and all the rest of it, but... That's a sensational Melbourne City side, and the way the Raw outplayed them across the park was absolutely, completely unexpected on my point of view. I know we said on the show last week that when you get beaten by 8-1, you expect a bounce back and a response for personal pride, but I don't think anyone expected that, did they? That was absolutely sensational. To be totally honest, I would have been more than happy with a draw for the combination of City coming off the defeat to Perth last week and being ready for the um, being ready for the rebound on their part, but also the fact that it was only six weeks ago, Chris, that the Raw got absolutely belted uh, down in Melbourne, and it would have been lingering on their minds, wouldn't it? I mean, how could it how could it not linger on your mind? It, you know, it was a well, maybe they forgot with all the all the drama going on at the club. Maybe that's the wrong word for it, but the happenings at the club uh, over the last six weeks. But you don't go out on a pitch, lose 8-1, and then just forget about it when you come up against them the next time. Maybe that was a motivating factor for them to go out there and, and really, you know, um, try to grind down City quickly or, like, get, you know, get some modicum of revenge. Yeah, and you could tell that right from the opening kickoff, the Raw were really up for the uh, performance as well. and. It was Kai Truant, 95 games into his A-League career. Um, And actually, before we get on to that, I do want to give a little uh, bit of credit as well for something not related to the -the on-the-pitch action as well. We've criticised the Channel 10 broadcasting quite a bit. I thought Ben Homer 
gave us one of the best calls of the season as well uh, on the broadcast as well. And yeah, I loved his call of Kai Truen's first goal, making a really big deal of it, Scott. Absolutely. You've got to remember, you think back to that game down in Melbourne, it was the eighth goal that went in and you saw the reaction of Kai Truen, how absolutely shattered he was. So for him to get his first goal in this game and be the player who's kick-started this great, this great game for the Raw, I think was really, really fitting as well. But it was a great call from Ben Homer and a nice to see the Raw score a goal from a set piece. That doesn't happen too often. Yeah, I, I just really want to know what Ruben Zadkovic said before the game as well, because being down on the sideline talking to Hinksy beforehand, I didn't quite get the feeling that they were ready to do something like this. I mean, how can you predict something like that coming, Chris? But do, getting off to such a good start and making it two in really short order, you could like it would have done wonders for their confidence as well, going, all right, we're on today. and. It's a performance that they desperately needed just to boost that confidence as well because they've really battled that for that in the last few weeks. Well, yeah, I mean, it's got to be a huge confidence boost, as you say, to get that early goal. And a lot of the success early in the season seemed to be coming from, you know, getting early goals and building from there. Um, so, yeah, to have two within half an hour and, and feeling fairly dominant, that, that's got to make them very confident. Uh, talking yeah, all over with- myself here. <laughs> we do that all the time. <laughs> First time, here we go. Yeah, like I said. But no, like, uh, yeah, I mean, it's got to be a confidence boost. Sorry, James. I'm coming here. I'm saying, just don't swear. That's been uh, a, a fairly common problem we've had with guests talking about you, Angela. All right, Chris, back to you. Right, sorry. Uh, yeah, sorry. So up, up two goals in half an hour. That, that's got to give you a great platform to see out the game. And then they just went on to just to kill it off before the half. Um, that, that that alone is something we haven't seen much from this Raw side this season, and, and it must be lovely, not just for the players, but for the fans as well. Like, uh, I, I, I said I couldn't make it on Saturday, on Saturday night, but uh, I said on Twitter, like, I've sat through a lot of performances this season where it's, uh, it's not always been the best spectating, and, of course, this is the game I missed. Uh, they were up 4-0 at the half. Well, I was... Um in the box during the game and I was saying this almost feels like a little bit of a make good for the Raw Adelaide game in 2011 that I had to miss. Uh, The one where the Raw wound up winning 8-1 and I missed it because I had to play futsal since half the team beat me to buying tickets to that match. But anyway, that aside, I'm just going back over the messages I was sending you and Adam uh, during the game, Scott, where it was... It, I was sending the uh, goal scorers, making sure you guys were on top of it, and you were saying it almost felt like it was a dream. Yeah, well, that's partly because I was on some cold and flu medication, and also partly because it was just genuinely <laughs> the goals that the Royal was scoring in this game were were completely out of the box. I mean, the thing about the goal from Keegan Yelichich was absolutely sensational. The strike from Jay O'Shea was sensational. The second goal from Tommy Waddingham was really, really well taken good pressure and finishing from the centre forward. I mean, the goals that were all scored in this game were really, really impressive, and we haven't seen that for a few, few, for a few weeks from them. Yeah, all right. Well, the next point I want to get on to in terms of this game recap is Keegan Yelisic. I mean, talent, the talent has always been there with him, going back to his NPL days with Lions, and it feels like mentally it's all starting to come together for him as well, where... He did play under Zadkovic over in Perth, didn't he, Scott? He did. 
Yeah, so he's got a manager that he's familiar with. He obviously worked with Ben Khan in his time at Olympic as well. And he, I think that combined with maybe a bit of a humbling experience over in Europe. And I think we're seeing now a player that is very much ready to get on the front foot, Chris, in terms of taking control of a game and showing just how to make the most of what is, I, I think we've all uh, seen it, a sensational level of talent. Well, yeah, I mean, you don't get over to Europe in the first place if you're not a talented football to begin with. Um, as you said, maybe a humbling experience and it's not quite gone to plan. But if he can come back here and show the, the, the kind of performance he did on the weekend, you know, he might be back over in Europe in no time. Um, he that, that goal was really just, I guess, a capstone on, uh, you know, like, a, <laughs> oh, my God. <laughs> Just, I, I don't think we've made this, anyone this nervous in a very long time, Scott. <laughs> we have not, no. So, but it is, look, Rick Keegan, I mean, you know the talent is there. And the thing is, it's a, it's a short-term loan. So we'll see. He probably will go back over to Europe at the end of the season anyway because it's always parent club. will get to make a decision on what they want to do, whether they bring him back into the fold, send him out on loan again, or if they've decided they're going to move on. We'll have to wait and see. But while he's here, you can see the impact he's going to have in a very short period of time from what he's played, what, 15 minutes off the bench and got a red card. This is his second full game. And you've seen the impact he's had in both of those two full games. It's been absolutely sensational. I think I gave Waddingham my three in the 3 2 1. I won't go any further into it. But Keegan Yelsich would have been 1A in that list. He was sensational in this performance, not just with the goal, but his creativity, his link up play. Everything about his game was really, really impressive. And you can see once someone like a Flo Berenger gets into the lineup, that combination could be really, really special. Well, that's the next point as well, where you consider they've got essentially three guys who can play that sort of free-roaming playmaker role, where you've got Flo uh, Berenguer, Keegan Jelicic, and let's not forget Marco Rojas either, who I know is a bit more of a winger, but he does sort of fill that same role. And it is the creativity that the Raw has sorely lacked in the past in that role, be it through injuries unavailability and just total drive as well. And having those options makes you infinitely harder to defend. And then also on top of that, you've got the likes of Henry Hall and even Mottingham is getting up there as well. So Chris, my question for you is who are you, if you're an opponent trying to deal with that as well, and I'm trying not to get too uh, carried away here, but having that multiple threat approach with Berenguer and Yelisic it creates all sorts of headaches for the opponent, doesn't it? Well, 100%. If you've got multiple creative outlets in your midfield and down your wings, that's going to make such a difference to sort of the dynamics with which you can attack the opponent's goal. Um, it feels like the last few weeks, due to injuries and, and suspension, like so much was going through Jay O'Shea in that midfield and so much was trying to be created through one player that opponents just knew, well, we, we shut down jay and, and we're done like we don't have to worry so much about it uh but yeah definitely having all those extra attacking options and and then actually scoring goals and, and and getting that buffer that that makes a huge difference and it did seem like i don't know if it was just the game plan from the start they seem to have city figured out pretty early on and and we haven't seen it all really stamp themselves in that way for quite some time yeah and it has been i think a season i think it's fair to say a season from hell where you go back 12 months, the Raw have had six different people manage, as manager for a match. 
But Zadkovic at least now knows that he's going to be there through to the end of the season. So he can at least sort of put something in place there as well. And uh, to, to his credit, the Perth teams he built last year, they might not have been that good. But week in, week out, they were competitive, Scott. They were competitive. You've got to remember, that was a very difficult situation as well because Perth had their own financial dramas which we've seen play out this season. He had to deal with, and he got them to within a game of the top six. So he did a very good job over there. He's also now got Chris Coyne with him here as well. So he's got some more familiarity with him in terms of coaching that he knows that can help him implement whatever he's going to implement between now and the end of the season. And if that's what we're going to see from now to the end of the season... That was a really, really good style of football to watch. There's no doubt about that. And I'm sure that the crowds at Suncorp will grow if that's what we're going to see between now and the end of the season. I don't know if, do, we're going to talk about Melbourne City or not? Talk about Melbourne. Oh, yeah, definitely. Go for it. Because they were, by their very high standards, they were they were below average. That was very, very poor from their perspective. If you think about what, look at the talent they've got in their squad. And it just seemed like they weren't up for it. And I don't know what the issue is, whether... It's kind of like what the Raw had. Like when the Raw went back to back and then had that 2012-13 season where the first half of the year, they just didn't seem... They were just like a few degrees off. Yep. And it seems like that's where City are now. Back to back to back in the in the Premiership. This season seems like they're just staggering along. And for the talent they've got... I mean, look at the players they've got in that attacking third, the internationals they've got. For them to be where they are now at the bottom end of the top six, they might not even be in the top six from memory. They're seventh. So for them to be where they are at this stage of the season, that is, for with what they've got, very, very disappointing. And that performance from them, I know we don't beat City up here very often, so Brisbane should Brisbane's very happy about it. But from their perspective, they were the worst I've seen them for a very long time. Yeah, and that's the biggest surprise as well. I mean, you've got guys like Jamie McLaren who were not far removed from featuring in a Socceroos squad at a, like at a well, yeah, he was featuring in the Socceroos squad, wasn't he? I'm, he was at the World Cup. I think he was player number twenty. How many went to the Asian Cup? Twenty six. Yeah, uh, I think he was twenty seven because they picked the young kid from um, yeah. Idale over him. But either way, he was a feature in regular Socceroos squad, multiple time A League Golden Boot winner. I don't think he's fallen off overnight either. But it just seems like a lot of the issues they've got seem to be concentration related rather than skills and I I, I think Aurelio Vidmar is a half decent manager but it just seems like at the moment Chris he can't seem to get his team all pointing in the one direction well yeah I, I'm not quite sure what what's happened with Vidmar like uh, he seemed to have turned them around even a couple of weeks ago like I know their recent results they've only won one of the last five I think but uh, you know after their sort of disastrous start and the change of manager it did look like he he turned it around and they were back on the right track but I can't really point at one specific thing that City are doing wrong that's that's you know that's that's kept them down there um I think it's the biggest shock all season having been champions even though they got you know thrashed in the final I I didn't see this kind of drop in form but I don't think it's one specific player or, or or one specific thing but it, it has been a shock to me, and I'm, I'm not a professional football coach, so I couldn't really point at anything that's done it for them. Yeah, I think, look, but I think it's just genuinely, it's hard to stay at the top for so long, isn't it? And that's the big issue for them. When you're at the top for three straight years like they have been, 
it's hard to do that every single year. And I'm sure once if I'm sure they will make the finals. And when they get there, I'm sure they'll be a really, really tough out. And it wouldn't shock me if they win their first final, whether it's in an elimination final in the bottom. Like they won't finish top two, so it'll be one of the three, four, five, six. I wouldn't shock me at all if they win that matchup because I still think they're a big game team. And we saw that again with Brisbane. If you've got the talent and you get in, you're a chance. And I think that's where City are. But for Brisbane, I mean, I mean, we were thinking a couple of weeks ago, James, they had to get a scalp. To, to push for the top six, they needed a scalp. And this was it. They needed a big result to get themselves back in, not just back into the picture points-wise, but confidence-wise in terms of, right, we can be, they can beat the big teams in the competition. This is a result which can absolutely springboard them to a run of form that could catapult them back into the finals picture. Yeah, well, I think two weeks ago before the Wellington game, we were sort of saying they needed 20 points <laughs> in their last 12 games to stand a chance of making the finals. I feel like they're two points ahead of where they needed to be now. That's four points against two good sides. Like, I'm not going to discount Melbourne City just yet. I know they're not playing well, but you still beat Melbourne City and got a late draw against Wellington. That's exactly what they needed. So for me, the magic number is now down to 16 points from the remaining 10 games. And just, Chris, I know you, maths, you and I tend to tend to struggle <laughs> with that in the past, but 16 points off 10 games feels incredibly achievable on the run home. I think that's very, very doable. Uh, if they can, if they can play like they did on the weekend as well, and keep up that sort of uh, that sort of form, I think they can boss it and really, really make a go of it. Uh, what's that? Five wins and a draw from 10 games. That's that's not too bad uh, when you really start averaging it out. I think it's very doable, very possible, and especially and especially when you consider the fact that it feels like outside of Wellington and Central Coast, and even those two to an extent. No team seems to be a sure thing to play at their best for more than one or two weeks in a row. Like, this season continues to be unpredictable, which makes it fun to try and pick week in, week out. But five wins from ten games is incredibly doable. So, look, I'm choosing to stay optimistic. I'm trying not to get ahead of myself after what was one good performance. Well, I'd say two good performances, Scott, but... If, if you're wanting to sum up your confidence level in a 1 to 10 scale right now, the Raw making the finals, where are you at? I'm right down the middle out of five. I think they've, I think it genuinely could go either way because I look at what you're talking about and say, yeah, the scope is there. 16 points from 10 games is eminently doable with the group they've got and the performance they showed at the weekend. It, it can also go the other way. They've played victory twice. That's going to be a difficult matchup. We know what the Raw's record like is down in Melbourne. It's not the best, although... Against victory, it's, it's better against victory than it is against Western and City, so that might help them. they got the trip to Wellington as well. That's going to be a very difficult trip as well, but there's plenty of winnable games in there as well, so it certainly is possible if they're good enough to get there. I think it's in, I think it's it's not necessarily in their hands, but if they can win five games out of their last ten, I think they will find a way to get in. Yeah, well, I don't want to say, I don't know if it necessarily is in their hands, but if they win more than they lose, I think they're ready to make the final. So I'd probably yeah. put myself at about a five, five and a half. Chris, what yeah. about you? I'm going to say a six. I feel like this season has been, well, I mean, that's still not an overly confident number, is it? But this season feels like it's just been absolute chaos. Um, like from, from third to 11th is, you know, 12 points. 
but there's <laughs> nine teams in there or whatever it is. Again, not great at math. Uh, <laughs> We're the ones with the words here. It's all really congested from 10th up to 4th. Like, anything could happen. You get a win against a team, you're not expecting it. Who knows what happens? I, I think they can make the finals, and I wouldn't bet against them to win one either once if, if they manage to get in. Responsibly, of course. Of course, responsibly. <laughs> All right. Well, look, we're going to try and keep this one fairly short this week. So, uh, before we move on, can we talk about Wadding with Sock? His performance was absolutely mm-hmm. sensational. And up the, I was look, he's copped a little bit from the fan base in the last couple of weeks due to his lack of goals, but his work rate has always been there. And to see him get the reward with not just one really well taken goal, but two, that was really pleasing. It's his best performance in the A League, and we we saw early in the season in the cup when he got one goal, he went on a real run and got two, three, four, five in consecutive games. Hopefully for him now, he can take that confidence and make that make that step in the A-League and score goals consistently now in this competition as well. It's three for the season now, I think, from memory, and hopefully plenty more to come. But that was a very good performance up front. Yeah, um, actually, thank you for reminding me, Scott, because I did just want to say as well, that goal that he scored to start the second half where he mm-hmm. took the ball off the defender, dribbled at Jamie Young and managed to score... That felt like the fifth or sixth time we've seen him create that sort of opportunity this season. There was one in particular that stands out in my mind from the Perth game back in November where he just put it wide. But on this day, he buried it. And I think that's going to do wonders for his confidence going forward. So that is a very, very good sign as well for hopefully a striker that is going to be able to go on with it and finish with a very decent tally on the season. Now. We had a lot of fun for the first 20 minutes. Now we're going to have to talk about something a little bit less fun, and that was the women's team's loss to Western United. The good news is, unlike other A-League women's team, the Raw made it to the right venue without needing <laughs> to be delayed. As Chris and uh, Scott both go, oh, good God, uh, please shut up, James. So I will, and just say, Chris, you can give us your first thoughts on the game. <sighs> this is uh, this one hurts to be dead honest. Uh, that first half was really, really well done. It feel like after the drinks break in particular, they, they really turned it around. Good couple of goals, uh, and they, they look like on like excuse me, they look like they're on top of it uh, going into the break. I don't think they could have had three or four by the time halftime came around. Um, after the break, though, it, it was like a completely different match. It just felt like. The Raw couldn't get out of their own half. Western United really changed it up a bit. And once uh, once Western United got the equaliser, it felt almost inevitable that, that they'd go on to win it. And ultimately, that's what happened. Uh, gut punch at the end as well. Yeah, it, it did just feel like one of those games where the Raw let it get away from them yet again. And like we're talking about this confidence of Melbourne City. I'm very curious, Scott, to find out where the confidence of this women's team is. Yeah, the great the great plagiarist Adam's not here, so I'll say his favourite line, this team frustrates me. <laughs> yeah, It really does. Um, look, this team is so up and down in terms of what they produce from not just week to week, but during games as well. They are, at their best, they are a very, very good side. And then when they're not at their best, they can, they can be a frustrating side to watch and I thought in this game they actually played pretty well in mm-hmm. in fair in pretty in large parts of the game, particularly in the first half as Chris was talking about. They got the two goals down the left hand side. Sean Fry was sensational with the chances she was creating down that side. She made it very very difficult for Western on that side of the field for 
much the whole game as well, but defensively, James, set pieces is where this team, I don't know how many times they've conceded set pieces this year. It feels like somewhere between a, like around a third of their goals this year have been conceded from set pieces and corners and things, and it's been an Achilles heel all season long. I'm not sure what the issue is. We're not coaches, so I'm not going to get into it, but it's it's entirely frustrating that that is continually happening. I think the first goal came from that in this game. The equaliser came from a set piece as well, I think, didn't it, from memory? Yeah, both. both Possibly. Both so, goals, again, set pieces are they're a problem, and it's just it's frustrating. They played so well enough. When you go away to a team like Western United, who are the defending defending premiers, and they're a top two side on the table pushing for the premiership with Sydney once again, you know you're only going to get select chances, James. And they got them and they took them. And they were in a position with 20 minutes to go. If they could have seen the game out, pick up three points, they could have been right there on the door of the top six. And unfortunately, again, that Achilles heel of set pieces let it slip away is what Chris was talking about. So it's a, it's one of those where they played well to get enough something out of it. And then unfortunately, it slipped away. I felt like at the end, there was just that strange middle ground of, I would have been all right getting a point against a good opponent, but also, I, it, like for me, if I was on the bench in Alex Smith's position, I would have had that double-edged sort of going, a point's not a bad outcome if you gave it to me at the start, but with the way the match unfolded, it, getting anything less than all three points really is such a big letdown, and it almost felt like maybe there was a bit of a court between a rock and a hard place there trying to preserve the point. Am I making any sense here, Chris? Oh, you are making sense, uh, for once. It's a first. Uh, <laughs> but no, like, you're not wrong. Like, once once Western United equalised, the Raw seemed to get back on the attack and try to create a few things. Not that they weren't trying to create uh, for the first 30 minutes of the second half, but finally there was some actual attacking momentum. They were playing in and around Western United's box. They were still very much uh, second best on possession, but I think I counted two or three good opportunities, good chances in those last 10, 15 minutes uh, that the the Raw could have won. I think Yallop had a, a pretty good effort. I, I can't quite remember at this point, I'm sorry. But uh, unfortunately, it was it was too little too late. Um, they very much let uh, momentum swing into Western United's favour. And as you say, like, that's a top two side. And you would have taken a point, but alas. And just, just to... To come back to it for a second there, the set pieces, uh, Scott mentioned, they, they've conceded nine goals from corners in 16 matches. Um, and, and to quote Sam Kerr, do you not work on this? Like, <laughs> <laughs> well, that's the quote of the year, first and foremost, isn't it? That is a sensational quote. But I will say this, that's what, nine from 27. So it's, it's one in three. One in, one in three they've conceded from set pieces. That's That sums it up right there. But back to the point you're talking about, James, in terms of trying to see the game. And I think that's exactly... I agree with you. I think that would have been the point. 20 minutes to go. Western United had a, had a run of momentum. You're thinking, right, we just need to get... Be compact, disciplined. Keep the ball in front. Limit the chances. Get out of here with the points. If they get a late equaliser, okay, we'll take a point. But try and get out of there with the three points and try and 
basically be compact and defend your way to three points. I think that was the way to go at that point in time. Time because Western United were running over the top of them at that point, and it was a very warm day down there in Melbourne. From all reports, they had drinks breaks. I think first half and second half, so it was a warm day. But with 20 minutes to go, I thought that was the time to really just try and consolidate and just consolidate and get yourself through the game. And it was, but I, I thought all things considered, the Raw were missing two of their first choice midfielders through yellow card accumulation. Ishnari and Holly Palmer were watching on. But I actually thought that midfield still held up quite well with uh, Tish Woods making her debut. Um, Scott, we'll go to you for the debut number, which I can tell you're looking at. Okay, there we go. You're looking it up right now. Player number 132 from Mr. Statsman. And um, I thought overall, like, looked like that midfield found a way to tick over quite well, but it was just, it, it was a bodies issue in the end. It was. It was a body issue in midfield. I actually thought that the addition of Marielle Hecker in that midfield added something as well. She was very bright in the 60 minutes that she played. It meant to make Yelp had to play a little bit deeper, didn't allow her to be as attacking all of the time, but allowed her to play a slightly different role. And Interesting to see if that's the role she's going to play going forward. But it worked okay for the first 60, 65 minutes in, in the way the game went. And I thought Tish Woods in midfield next to her was sensational on her debut. I mean, this is a, a player who we've seen a lot in the NPL with Peninsula Power, James. I think she went overseas to, to Europe for a brief period, period of time at the end of the season and then came back. And it's taken her a few weeks to get herself into this A-League women's side with the form of Holly Palmer uh, and Ish Nori in there. Really, They've been a really stable and solid combination in that midfield all season long. And it's unfortunate both of them were suspended at the same time. So it would have been really good to see Alicia Woods play alongside one of those two in there to make her debut in a solid midfield pairing. Although having Tamika Yallop is probably the most experienced option you could have as a partner in midfield on your debut. But I thought she did quite well in there, actually, as a as a debutante making a debut in the competition. And that midfield, actually, I thought it actually outplayed Melbourne, uh, Western United's midfield. Melbourne United, Western United, actually. We can't Whatever they are. By the way, shout out to them. It's a, it's a nice little um, training facility and local ground they've got, which I think they officially launched today as well, which is nice. Mm-hmm. Yeah, first game, I think, March 17th out there, so at uh, Tani. So that'll be interesting to watch for Western United. Chris, back to you uh, for the final thought on this game, because I think Scott's voice is actually about to... Uh, <laughs> it certainly uh, looks like it. <laughs> <laughs> Scott is nodding in agreement. Mariel Hecker, back, first start in 14 months, give or take, just a bit over. That's a pretty... Decent thing. Uh, getting through an hour, 65 minutes. Good return for the Brazilian. That a first game in, in 14 months? A first start. She, first uh, start. Oh, a couple of cameos off the bench. Well, then, yeah, definitely, definitely a good return. Uh, 65 minutes when, when you're not really match fit and haven't been going like that, That that's an incredible effort. Um, like, let's face it, none, none of us are going to be running more than about 15 minutes, I think, at this point in time on the pitch. Uh, so, yeah, no, that's a good effort. And she, she had a good game, as best I could see. So, really, like, what more do you want? And as she uh, as she keeps starting and keeps getting a match fitness back, I'm, I'm sure she'll do her best to uh, to drive this raw side on. And she's going to have a big impact at the back end of the season as well, James. I know we keep saying it, but the quality she's got, when she gets fully up to speed, look out, because we know the impact she can make and... It's going to be very, very influential in the final third of the season. Yeah, I think the the only thing I can say to describe Mariel Hecker is an X factor. Like she she has 
that ability to take over a game and just decide, right, we're not losing today. That That's the best way I can sum it up. But it was a less than ideal result for the Raw women, which means it's going to be another frustrating week as they prepare for a trip to Newcastle this Saturday, I want to say. Saturday is the 17th, yes? Sounds sure. Yeah, okay, cool. Let's say this Saturday they're heading down to Newcastle. Uh, The Raw men, it is a late game this Saturday in Perth. Um, I think if anyone's uh, been following Perth results this season, anything and everything could happen out there. I'm thinking this game is going to wind up 6-4 in the men because the late show in Perth always seems to produce some sort of fireworks, and we've got the added factor of Zadkovic going back to Perth as well. So I will be... uh, Make sure I watch that one. Scott, final thoughts? Just to be clear, it is it's a Saturday doubleheader for the Raw this weekend. It is Newcastle v Brisbane in the women on Saturday at 4pm down in Newcastle. And it's an 8.45 kickoff in the West over there, our time, our 8.45 Queensland time. So not the latest we've seen the team teams kick off over there in the West. But yeah, I think the game against Newcastle could be very, very interesting down there with the women. I think, look, hopefully it's some revenge for the Unite round thing, which... That, that game turned on the back of a red card, which was overturned. So hopefully the Raw can go and get three points down there. And the Perth game will be very, very interesting. Ruben Zak, which makes his return to Perth, I'm not sure that what sort of um, reception he's going to get. He did very well for them, but he left at the end of the season. And there was the issue with, I think it was it Giordano Colley who he had the clash well, with, just, allegedly. Let's just say it was, for yeah. entertainment's sake. I think that's allegedly what might have been reported, but I'll have to wait and see. If that's wrong, I apologise, but he had an altercation with the players. didn't see what happens over there, but I'm sure if there's one match Ruben Zakovic wants to win, it's this one. Yeah. And, and I think they've got a good chance, because Perth are going okay, but they're not not the strongest side in the form of the Rory. And I mean, I think the players have got, they should be able to go over there and get something out of it. For sure. All right, Chris, what are you looking forward to this weekend? Yeah, very much looking forward to hopefully some revenge from that Newcastle match. Uh, having having been down there for Unite Round and being like directly in line for that red card, uh, I, I was less than pleased, let's put it that way. Um, explosively less than pleased. Uh, really? Because in the time I've known you, you've done such a good job keeping your temper under control. Oh, look, I, I've grown <laughs> up a lot in recent years. What can I say? So, um but no, it, it, I'm hoping they can uh, they can really go on and get three points there because I think for again large parts of that game against Newcastle they they looked they looked the better side and they looked like they could do everything but get the goals and put it away uh, and as as Scott said the red card really changed it. As for Perth, yeah, I, I'll take a six four scoreline. Uh, hopefully the Raw are four down and come back to win at six four uh, just for extra fireworks. Uh, I remember a club game we played in that actually did finish that way. Unfortunately, we were the ones that were leading 4-0. And yeah, that, that happened a lot when we were playing back in the day. But, um, yeah, look, I, I'm hoping I'm hoping for a, just a, a good game, and I'm hoping the Raw can build on, on this weekend and, and keep pushing for those finals. Like, ultimately, both sides are just outside of the top six in their respective leagues, and a couple of wins, you never know what happens. Yeah, that's pretty much it. It's... A wildly unpredictable A-League season, and there is still a ways to go for both sides. Before we wrap up, Chris, do you want to give us a quick update on what's happening with the Fun Football Fairly campaign as well? Yeah, so uh, our Brisbane City Council petition, which you guys have pushed a lot, and we are very appreciative of that, ended up with like close to 2,100 signatures. Uh, That was one of the 
we think it's one of the highest e-petition numbers uh, ever, but I, I didn't go back through every single petition to find that one out. It's definitely one of the largest of the last decade. Uh, our uh, state government petition is still going, although we haven't been focusing on that so much. Uh, at the moment, we're really asking people to write emails and letters. Uh, it's something that uh, most stakeholders and politicians don't particularly like receiving. Basically asking those people in charge to to fund football fairly and to build a home of football in Brisbane. Um, the big ones right now are the Brisbane City Council and the Lord Mayor, given that the City Council election is in four or five weeks. Uh, so we're trying to get that on the agenda as much as we can. And the Olympic Venue uh, Infrastructure Review Committee is not its exact name. I can't quite remember what it is. Uh, but they've taken public comments and, and we've, we encourage everyone to essentially send a one or two paragraph, very short email uh, to to each of those people, your your local candidates, and the venue committee review venue review committee, uh, saying so that full time really quickly. Yeah, venue review committee, uh, say, saying that we would like a a home of football in Brisbane because ultimately we think that is what we need. And if that's Ferry Park, it's Ferry Park. If it's not Ferry Park, let's find an alternative location. Yes, and we will say as well from. Scott, Adam, and myself, the work you guys are doing is phenomenal. We've been very impressed with the traction you've gotten and the fact that, by and large, you've gotten the majority of football fans to agree that the sport needs a home. And in our time dealing with football fans, <laughs> getting them to agree that the sun rises in the east can actually result in a massive argument. So that is oh, look, I, I, I don't agree with that. So. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Well, that is going to be it for this abbreviated edition of the Brisbane Football Review. Thank you, Scott. Thank you, Terry. Didn't even get a chance to talk about headlines such as Marco, Marco Rudan's continued rantings about the A-League and the APL, Nick's Western United's kit, kit shambles, Patrick Wood's miss of the century, and Sydney's bus going the wrong ground. Didn't get a chance to talk about any of that, but good to talk to you, and we'll talk to you again next week. Chris, thanks for joining us. Thank oh. you, Chris. Thanks for having me, everyone. It was it was uh, an interesting experience, as I said, and I just wanted again. I think Andy Harper officially said peak A-League on, on an official broadcast. So I think... <laughs> I think we've reached the mainstream. Yes. And I will also say as well, um, you, um, you did a very good job filling in for Adam, even down to the uh, fact of mentioning that you were at Unite Round. <laughs> well, it was the place to be. How could anyone miss it? COVID or otherwise. <laughs> exactly. And uh, yes, thank you everyone for listening. We'll be back next week, not just with our regular episode, but with our massive NPL men's season preview. That gets underway before too long. I have no idea which match I'm commentating for FQ this weekend, so I can't even plug that. I'll just say thank you, everyone, for listening. Have a good weekend, and uh, make sure you're tuning in to the NPL Sunday Spectacular with Scott and Adam when that is back. In the meantime, have a good weekend. Goodbye.